Over the last several weeks, we've been reading from the final chapters of the Gospel of John. We've looked at Jesus' teachings just before the cross, the things that he considered the most important things for his disciples to know before that day that he would go up Calvary. We looked at the events surrounding the cross and what happened that day. Then on Easter Sunday, we we looked at the events of the resurrection itself. The incredible reality that we serve a risen Savior. In these past few weeks, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said and did after the resurrection that John records here in these final chapters of the Gospel of John. We're going to continue to look at some of those. And one exciting event that occurred is, as Jesus appears to his disciples again here in John chapter 20. We're going to focus on verse 28 this morning. I used to have a a set of bookends on my shelf growing up. They were sailboats. No, not not the little sailboats uh, uh, like you would see maybe on the lake. But these were the big clipper ships that sailed the seven seas back in the day. And uh, I'm not sure why I had bookends that looked like giant clipper ships. I, I didn't really have all that much interest in sailing ships. I mean, I did try to build a boat in a bottle one time, but that didn't go so well. So I'm sure that that was not the reason Why? I think probably I had those two bookends because my mother was at a garage sale and that happened to be the bookends that they had that day. And so sailboats it was, but they worked really well. They were very heavy. They weighed about five pounds each. So from this book to that book, they were held together by a, a ship on one end and a ship on the other end. They worked well. John has some bookends in his gospel. At the beginning, and then again at the end, he makes the same affirmation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we're going to look at the second of these bookends today here in John chapter 20 and discover why this affirmation means everything. Without it, we might as well just go home. We're not really accomplishing anything here this morning, but with it. We can change the world. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now the fact is, not everyone believed it at first. Sometimes we may think it's tough sharing the gospel in our world that the disciples had it easier because they had all those miracles happening all over the place. and They had Jesus right there with them. So, so people were just ready to receive the gospel right when they told them. Not so much. Not even some of the disciples believed it at first. One of the most famous doubters in the group is recorded here in the 20th chapter of John. So much so that we even give him a nickname, Doubting Thomas. We're actually going to start reading in verse 24 this morning. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. On the one hand, this is kind of hard to understand what Thomas says. After all, Thomas was there to see the miracles firsthand. He saw Jesus make a blind man see. He saw Jesus tell a lame man to get up and walk. He saw Jesus bring Lazarus 
back from the dead. And he was there for the teachings of Jesus. Thomas had a front row seat there at the Sermon on the Mount. Not to mention all the times that Jesus spent directly with the disciples teaching them about the kingdom of God. And that's not to mention the fact that Jesus had told his disciples, including Thomas, that three days after his death, he would rise again. But we can forgive Thomas for not quite catching on. None of the other disciples did either. They were all hiding there in the upper room, as we saw last Sunday. Even after Mary had come and told them that she went and found the tomb empty, even after Peter and John had had run and looked into the tomb themselves and saw that, in fact, Jesus was not there, even after Mary had told them she had seen the Lord, they still didn't believe it. At least not until... On the day that we read about last week, Jesus was right there with them, standing in front of them, alive. They all saw him and believed. All that is but Thomas. He wasn't there. We're not told the reason why Thomas wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus appeared the first time. Uh, Maybe he just stepped out for some fresh air. Uh, Maybe he'd gone for some camel burgers and fries. I don't know. Maybe he was just tired of hiding. Perhaps Thomas had decided enough of this. I'm just going to go out and if the Roman soldier is going to arrest me, let's get it over with. But whatever the reason, eventually Thomas returns. And when he came back, the room was a different place than what he had left. When he had left, this room was filled with frightened men cowering there in that room, afraid of what was going to come next. When Thomas returned, the room was filled with guys bouncing off the wall. And boy, did they have a story to tell him. They saw Jesus. He had been there. They talked to him. They touched him. They told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas wasn't having any of it. No way. These guys are just delusional. That's just wishful thinking. Finally, he says, I won't believe it till I see it. We can't be too hard on Thomas. After all, none of the other disciples believed it until they saw it either. You've got friends like Thomas. Friends who won't believe it till they see it. You know who they are. They're those friends that, that when you tell them about that hole-in-one that you had on the golf course the other day, they ask you, now who was there and saw that when it happened? Or, or when you tell them about that big fish you caught out at the lake the other day, they say, do you take any pictures of that? Let me see. I don't want to see this fish you're talking about. Or when you tell them, come on, let's go out to eat. I'll pick up the check. They mumble, I'm bringing my credit card because I remember what you did the last time you said you were going to pick up the check. Fact is, most of your unbelieving friends will not believe it until they see it. You may even agree. 
You may think, well, you know, if, if God would just do a big miracle for them, if God would just do something and they could see it, then they would believe it. Well, folks, they can see a miracle if you'll let them. The miracle is you. Let them see what Jesus has done in your life. Let them see the resurrected Lord in the way that you live. And don't forget to tell them why you're living the way that you live. When Thomas came back, Matthew and Peter and John and the others, they were bouncing off the ceiling. They couldn't wait to tell Thomas what had happened. He had just barely got in the door when they ran over to him and they said, We have seen the Lord. When was the last time you were so excited about having Jesus in your life that you just couldn't wait to tell somebody? Let the world see it. Let the world see Jesus in you because the fact is many of them will not believe until they do. The good news is many will believe when they see Jesus. We call him Doubting Thomas, but that's really not fair. Certainly not after what happens next. John records it beginning then verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. A week later, it happened again. The disciples were all gathered up in the upper room. And suddenly, there was Jesus once more. And this time, Thomas was there. And the message that Jesus proclaims is exactly the same as what he said before. Peace be with you. And then Jesus turns to Thomas. And he invites Thomas to come over and see. To see the nail prints in his hand. To see the wound in his side. And doubt no more. We're not told whether Thomas actually did that or not. And scholars are kind of on the fence one way or the other. Of whether or not Thomas actually did go and physically touch the the nail wounds. As he said that he would need to do to see the Savior. Or if just the very presence of Christ was all he really needed. But whatever the case, his pronouncement was immediate. What he says, one commentator describes as the highest confession ever made. My Lord and my God. Here's the bookend. Okay. Probably one of the reasons that this event stuck in John's mind, a reason that he includes it here as he's coming to the conclusion of his gospel account. He begins his gospel with this very same pronouncement. In John chapter 1 verse 1 he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's no question what John's saying in that verse. That Jesus is the one God who created everything. 
that Jesus is the one true God made flesh so that he could do what only God can do. And now, as John draws his gospel account to a close, he records these words from Thomas that make this very same pronouncement. You see, people had called Jesus Lord before. In fact, that title Lord, it was used in the New Testament day. Not tremendously common, but it was used, you know, it was something you would hear. It wasn't unusual for you to hear someone called Lord. It was a a sign of respect. It was a, a, a sign particularly of a great teacher. And Jesus had been called Lord on several occasions. But Thomas was aware, no doubt, of a phrase that is used over and over in the Old Testament. What for Thomas would have been his scripture. They didn't have the New Testament yet. And Thomas would have remembered that in the Old Testament, the words Lord and God only refer to one. When those two words appear together in the New Testament, they are in the Old Testament, they always refer to the one God of creation. There's no question whatsoever. So when Thomas uses this statement, my Lord and my God, there's no question what he was saying. Thomas uses this reference to Christ because he knows no one else could come back from the dead save for the one who created life itself. Jesus is the Son of God. In Missouri, it is against the law to tell people you are a doctor if you are not currently licensed as a doctor in Missouri. I'm thankful for that. I'm don't, would not want to find out that the guy that, who's about to take out my appendix is actually just a plumber. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of difference between taking a, a clog out of a drain and, and taking a vital organ out of my body. I want to know that this guy really is a doctor. It is also against the law in Missouri to impersonate a public servant. You can't go out into a city and, and just declare yourself to be the mayor or to be on the city council if you're not. Of course, I don't really know why anybody would want to declare themselves to be the mayor or on city council. I mean, who really wants to sit through a four-hour meeting about zoning requirements? (laughs) The penalties are actually increased in Missouri if you pretend to be a law enforcement officer. And the reasons are pretty obvious. There's some scary things that could happen if, if somebody was pretending to be a law enforcement officer but was not. Now, the fact is, for any of those impersonations, you can be thrown in jail. But that was nothing compared to the penalties of the New Testament day for claiming to be God. You could be executed for that. In fact, it's one of the reasons that Jesus was sent to the cross. The Pharisees and the Sadducees said he is blaspheming because they knew that Jesus was declaring himself to be God. When Thomas calls Jesus my Lord and my God, there's something interesting that happens. Or or more 
Specifically, there's something interesting that doesn't happen. When Thomas declares Jesus to be my Lord and my God, Jesus doesn't correct them. Jesus didn't stop and say, no, Thomas, you've misunderstood. You've got it wrong. Don't say that. Jesus didn't correct Thomas because Thomas wasn't wrong. In fact, Thomas was right on target. Jesus is our Lord and our God. He's not just a good man. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a famous historical figure. He is all of those things. But far more significantly, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let others see that Jesus. In you. Heavenly Father, our world needs this message spoken clearly and directly, just as Thomas spoke it that day there in the upper room. Anyone who heard what Thomas said that day would have no question what he was declaring. And we need to make our profession just as clear. That there be no mistake that the reason that we live the way that we live, the reason that we gather to worship this morning, the reason that we seek to follow the Scripture is because Jesus Christ is our Lord and our God. Lord, help us proclaim that message clearly in a way that people can see. Lord, it is our firm prayer that that people would see you in us. And that our words would clearly proclaim that you are God. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here, and for the first time, suddenly something has changed. You knew the story about Jesus. You you, you knew some of the events in his life. And and you you respected him. Uh, Maybe you've even sought to do some things in your life that were like what Jesus did. You've thought, thought, well, that's a good thing to think. What would Jesus do? Well, that's a good way to live my life is to think about what would Jesus do. And and you found that to be true. But, But all of a sudden today... Although all of that is correct and all of that is true and you you recognize we should seek to live as as Jesus lived, suddenly something else has become real real to you. You've recognized he's not just a good teacher. This isn't just about a religion. This this isn't about a way of life. He is God. What do I do now? We want to help you. Because Jesus has has told us exactly what to do when we finally come to that understanding that He and He alone truly is God. We can accept His forgiveness. Because truly only God is the one who can ultimately forgive us. And we all know that we have stuff in our life that we've done wrong. We all know we've things that we are ashamed of. Things that we wish we'd never even thought of, much less actually done. And, And we've tried to fix it. We've tried to make it go away but it didn't work still there 
Only God's the one who can wash that all away. And suddenly this morning you've realized Jesus is my Lord and my God. And he extends that forgiveness to you. That's why I went to the cross. He paid the price for you. And you can receive that forgiveness today by simply trusting him as your Lord and your Savior. We want to help you to do that. Ordinarily, we'd invite you to come here to the front. We'd sit down with you and talk with you one-on-one and share with you from the Scripture how you can know the Lord because of the virus situation. We can't do that one-on-one like we normally would, but we do have a way that we can, can help you this morning. There in the pew racks before you, there's a little white card that says connection card on the top of it. Just take that card. Give us a way to contact you. And then on that card, indicate, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. There's even a little check box there. It says, I want to follow Christ as my Savior. Just check that box. As you leave this morning, you can drop it in one of the baskets that are at the exit door. You'll see them there as you leave. We'll contact you just as quickly as we can to share with you how you can know the one true Lord and God, Jesus Christ. If you're watching us online, there's a way that you can do that as well. We have a digital form of that very same connection card. You'll find the link there on our Facebook page if you're watching us there or if you're watching us on our website. It's just below where the video plays. The address is nationalheights.org. Hello. If you'll just click on that address, go right to that link. It'll take you to a digital form of that same card. Give us a way to contact you and then indicate. You can type it into the text box or just check the box. I want to follow Jesus. Maybe there's another way that God's speaking to you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home. And we would be glad to share with you. You can be a part of what God's doing here at, at National Heights. Just indicate to it that, uh, that to us uh, either on the physical card or on the digital form. Maybe there's some other way that God is speaking to you. Maybe it's just a, a private need that you have in your life, in your family's life. You'd really appreciate it. Some other Fellow believers, we're praying with you on the reverse side of that connection card. There's a place for you to record that request at the very bottom of the digital form. There's a place for you to record that prayer request. We would be honored to be praying with you in the days to come. Whatever it might be, whatever way God is speaking to your heart today, we invite you to follow his call as we sing together.